Hoffentschein, Hoffentschein, Hoffentschein. Ich dachte, Hoffentschein, Hoffentschein. Ich dachte, Hoffentschein, Hoffentschein, Hoffentschein. Ich dachte, Hoffentschein, Hoffentschein. Good evening. Welcome. Tonight, Sheer was dedicated by uh, Zalman and Esther Roth, and this is in honor of Zalman's father's Yorzeit, which was today Yaakov ben Zalman Leib. Yaakov ben Zalman Leib, Beis Nisham, Olav HaShalom, Beis Nisham, have a great aliyah to the greatest of heights, and let him channel lots and blessings to the entire Roth family, and all that they need in the spiritual and in the material. Um... Much, 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 much brach and mazel and everything. Um, and, and they sponsored the shear and the CD this week. Another dedication was for the CD this week. And this was by um, Mordechai Katz, Rabbi Mordechai Katz. And this is in honor of his mother, who's going to have her shloshim, passed away um, on um, Pesach Sheni. It's past Pesach Sheni, the 15th of, um, of the month of Iyar. So the, it's coming up, the Shloshim. Uh, her name is Hinda Bastzvi Hirsch. May her neshama, may this be a big schus for her neshama. And uh, the family shouldn't know any more of any sorrow. From now on, only Simchas. And Be'ezus Hashem, we should merit that very soon... She should return here to her physical body as all souls will be returning very, very shortly to be reunited with their bodies and again over here with their families um, to live on forever and ever in this world filled with light. May Hashem help it should be Bekarev, Bekarev Mamish. Um, uh, one more dedication on the Shia this week was by my father. And this is in honor of his grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather. Rabbi Cheskel Ben Rabbi David Olav HaShalom His Yorzai is going to be the 13th of Sivan May this shear be his for his neshama For Ali's neshama to greater heights And may he channel lots of brachas down To all of us here at Mayon To myself, my family And only, only good To my parents For mazel bracha And only, only good, good, good things In the material and in the spiritual Thank you Okay um, this week, exciting, Pasha's uh, Bahalosha, such a very, very, very powerful parsha. A parsha of light, a parsha of such Bahalosha Saneros, when you will ignite the lamps. I'd like to focus, however, this week not on the parsha, but on a very, very special and unique Haftorah. The Haftorah we read this week, the Torah is the portion of the prophets that we read at the conclusion of the parsha. 
It's the same Haftorah that we read on Shabbos Hanukkah. Uh, we can understand that this Haftorah has something to do with lighting lamps, because on Hanukkah we light the menorah, and which commemorates the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. And over here, we have the mitzvah of Baalos Chesaneros of lighting the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. And we therefore read the same Haftorah on Shabbos Hanukkah and on Pashas Baalos And the Haftorah is from Zechariah, Perek Beis, Pasuk Yudalid, and it continues on through chapter Perek Dalid, Pasuk Zion. So again, it's from chapter 2, verse 14 in Zechariah, and it goes to chapter 4, verse 7. It opens up with the words, Rani v'simchi bas tzion, which means, Rani means sing, v'simchi means rejoice, bas tzion, the daughter of Zion, the daughter of Zion, the daughter of Zion, referring to the Jewish people. Rejoice, be happy, let's celebrate, let's sing, let's dance. It doesn't say dance, it says rejoice, sing, and be joyful. Because behold, I am coming, and I will dwell amongst you, says God. So this is a prophecy referring to the days of Mashiach. God is telling the Jewish people, it's time to be happy again. I am coming. And I'm going to reside amongst you. Very joyful, very optimistic, very uplifting Haftorah. What does it have to do with Hanukkah? And what does it have to do with Parshas Bahaloscha that we read this Haftorah? So we know that's because, the commentators say, is related to the, all the way in the end of the Haftorah. All the way in the end of the Haftorah in chapter 4, again, the Haftorah begins in the middle of chapter 2. In chapter 4, it says that a malach appeared to um, Zechariah, and he tells him, look, and he shows him a vision of a menorah. I see kula, I see a gold menorah, made, entirely made out of gold. And there is a bowl on top, from where the oil is flowing. And it's seven lamps. Alright, so it describes this menorah and exactly... The, uh, the, the vision, and then it says, what does this mean, this menorah that he saw? Okay. So because there is a vision of a menorah, and the, the, the parsha speaks about lighting the menorah, so we always know the haftorah is me'ena parsha. The haftorah has to be similar to the parsha. That's the simple reason why we read this haftorah, both on Shabbos Hanukkah and on Parshas Baalos. The problem over here, however, is that um, for that, why do we have to start so early? Why do we begin with Rani Vesimchi Basir? Why don't we start in Perek Dalit or somewhere later? We, 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 at least it should have started in the beginning of Perek Gimel, um, where it talks about the prophecy in which the menorah was shown. The verse Rani Vesimchi Basir is our verses that are before even this prophetic vision begins. It's like something from before that. And for whatever reason yet, the ones, the rabbis who instituted the mafter, chose to begin the Haftorah with prophecies regarding Moshiach, where it says, Rani v'simchi basio, and rejoice the daughter of Zion, because God is coming to reside amongst you. So we need to understand what is the connection. But before we go in to ask understand what I mean to, re- to really I really I really wanted to further develop this question I want to just first give you a little overview of the Haftorah itself so right at the beginning of the Haftorah it says um, as I mentioned earlier God is telling the Jewish people good news rejoice be happy 
Because I am coming to dwell amongst you. Let me read these pasuk, these psukim. Because these psukim are no more a futuristic prophecy. It's something that is happening and occurring to us now. I don't want to even say in our lifetime, much quicker than our lifetime. Mamish, mamish, mamish. We will uh, any moment experience what it says over here. It says, Vanilva goyim rabim el Hashem. And many nations will, will attach themselves to God. By Yomahu on that day. There will be such a display of God's power and God's light and God's goodness and kindness and, 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 and sovereignty and rulership over the world that everybody will join Him. Nations in the world will all, Goyim Rabbim, many, it doesn't say everybody, but it says many nations will join. For Ahayulili Am, they're going to all be my people. The Jewish people are God's people until Mashiach comes. Once Mashiach comes, many nations will attach themselves and they will be considered God's people. Obviously, there'll still be a tremendous difference, light years of a difference between the Jewish people and the rest of the nations. But yes, the nations will attach themselves also to become Hashem's people. But then Hashem says, But I will dwell amongst you, the Yodait, and you will know, that Hashem, the God of hosts, has sent me to you. And Hashem will give to Yehuda, to the tribe of Yehuda, which are most of the returnees of exile. The Mepharshim say, we know the ten tribes were exiled earlier. So most of the Jews that are in the diaspora today are from Yehuda and Binyamin. So Hashem is directing this prophecy to, to Judah, to Yehuda. And He says, V'nochal Hashem es Yehuda chelko. God is going to give to Yehuda His portion. Al Admas HaKodesh on the Holy Land. U'bachar oid b'Yerushalayim. And Hashem is going to choose again Jerusalem to be His capital city. Hashem is going to select Yerushalayim to be His dwelling place. But what really touched me deeply is the next Pasuk. And the Pasuk continues and it says, Haskol basar mipnei Hashem. Silence! All flesh, silence, be quiet in front of God. Kineor mimoin kachoy, because Hashem has arisen. He has he is been aroused. He woke up from his holy abode. In Galas, God pretends, looks like, it seems like God is sleeping. He allows for all the injustices that are done during the exile, seeming to turn a blind eye because he's pretending to be sleeping. But now, since Hashem has woken up from his sleep, what does it say? Haskalbasar, be silent. And I was thinking, like, what is it saying? Be silent. In the Pasuk before this, it says, God has chosen Jerusalem as his, as his city, as His land. There is so much noise in the world calling out, even to yesterday, Isaiah Ochman Achach and Bernie Sanders gets up and he's demanding that the occupation should end of Israel. Oy, so with the big, 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 big genius of geniuses. And so on, Nabach Jew too. But across the world, to, 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 to call for the occupation to end, the two-state solution. And the, the Abishter says, Has, silent! I have chosen my, my land. And you see, you're dealing with a time when there will be a lot of protest in all the colleges across the world, in the UN, and across, on, against the Jewish people holding, taking hold of Yerush, that Yerushalayim is our land. Has, kolbosah, be silent. Anyways, that's the first part of the Avtor, as I told you, that's a nevuah pertaining to Moshiach. And then, in the very end, there is this prophecy, 
about seeing the gold menorah. That, that's the content of the Haftorah. Going back to the question, if the Haftorah merely wants to sh- equate the menorah, the vision of the menorah with the parsha, which is Baloischa, which talks about the menorah, it should have started much later with the vision of the menorah, and at best it should have started with, the, with this whole conversation, rebuke of the Satan wanted against Yeshua, the defense that God defended him, that should... What does it start with those early Ipsukim speaking about a prophecy relating to a much later time, a prophecy of the coming of Mashiach? So, um, in Torah Or, the Balatanya in his Derushim, in his, in his discourses on Hanukkah, explains the relationship of these words, Rani Vesimchi Bas Tzion, to Hanukkah, to Shabbos Hanukkah. And he says, because the, it's the name that God is referring to the Jewish people. In these Psukim, Hashem is referring to Israel, to the Jewish people, as Bas Tzion, the daughter of Tzion. And he explains over there that this name, the daughter of Tzion, we are referred to when we are in our lowest state, in our weakest state. When we are in a holy state, we're called Tzion. The Jewish people are called Tzion themselves. When we are in, we're in a lowly state, when we've been gone through the exile and suffering, and we've been broken, and spiritually we've fallen to a, a weakened, we're weakened spiritually, so then we're called Bas Tzion, the daughter of Tzion. Since this is the Haftor of Hanukkah, Hanukkah came at, the, at, at, at a very dark time, the miracle of Hanukkah, happened when the Jewish people were really crushed and they were really broken. They were strongly infiltrated by alien forces, by the Greeks, by the Hellenistic uh, things, and they were weakened spiritually. So they did not have, they couldn't be called Tzion, they're called Bas Tzion. And that's the re- reason why on Hanukkah we read the Haftorah, Rani Vesimchi Bas Tzion. No, that will be a good explanation for reading it on Hanukkah. But the question is, why do we read it this week in Parshas Baalotzcha? If we're referring to the time period that we're in, we're right after the Torah was given. We just celebrated Shavuos. The Torah was just given to us. When the Torah is given to us, that's the peak of our freedom. We were liberated when we went out of Mitzrayim. But we haven't reached real. We only read, that was only physical liberation. The real liberation came when we received the Torah, as the sages say to us, A person is not considered free and liberated, only one that studies Torah. And when it says, that the Ten Commandments were given engraved on the Luchos, and the sages say, don't read it engraved, read it free. We were liberated from the angel of death. We were given eternal life. Spiritually, we were elevated to the highest of heights when the Torah was given. So, and then we know that every year this reoccurs. Because the Torah is given to us on Shavuos over again. So that means that right now, we are in a very, very, very high state. Hopefully this year we won't have to fall down on Shavuos and Thomas and make the golden calf and all, that, and all that breakage and all that shattering and all that darkness. Hopefully we will go straight into the Giyula now. But we are now in a very, very high state. In a state of freedom. So then in our case, we're not called the Bas Tzion, the daughter of Tzion. At this time, so then why, so again, the explanation would work for Shabbos Hanukkah, but the explanation would not work for Parshas Baalosa. So if we want to read the, the, the Parshas Baalosa, the, the reading of the story of the, of the prophecy of the menorah, it should have started later. So we need a better understanding of why it says Bas Tzion.
to make the question even stronger, really we know that our relationship with God is is um, characterized in in various relationships. There is a fascinating, beautiful, amazing medrash, and the medrash is in a few places. The medrash is in Shir Hashirim, and the medrash is in in Parshas Pekude, Medrash Rabbah, both in medrash, in Rabbah and Shir Hashirim, and also in Parshas Pekude, right at the end of uh, the medrash of Shmos and Parshas Pekude. It says a pasuk, and I, I spoke about this already in previous classes. It says in the pasuk, "Tzeena Urena, go out and see Bemelech Shlomo at King Shlomo. Go see King Shlomo, which we know is referring to God, as it says every time it says Shlomo and Shira Shirim, it's referring to Hashem. Imo, go see King Shlomo wearing the crown that his mother crowned him." When? Biyom chasenasi on the day of his wedding, ubiyom simchasli by the day of the joy of his heart. So again, God's mother gave him a crown. If, if, if Shlomo Melech is referring to Hashem, then his mother, who's God's mother? So, but let's first think it, let's first accept that we're talking not about God, we're talking about Shlomo Melech. Fine. So the Medrash says, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, Chazarti mikra. I've reviewed all of Scripture. I went through all of Chumash, Matzasi, and I'm sorry, all of Tanakh, all of all of, the, and I haven't found Sheva Shlomo. I haven't found anywhere that Shlomo's mother, her name is Batsheva, that she should have made him a crown. Shlomo Melech had many crowns, probably made for himself. It doesn't say anywhere that his mother made him a crown. And here it says, go look at this magnificent crown that his mother had made him. Reb Shimon Bayachai Shalas Rebelezer Berabyasi. Reb Shimon Bayachai asked Rebelezer Berabyasi, maybe you heard, maybe you heard from your father Rebyasi. What does it mean, the crown that his mother gave him? On my hand, yeah, I did hear from my father. And he said this magnificent revelation. Mashal Melech, there is a mashal analogy, a metaphor to a king. Shahoyeloi Bas Yechida. He had a one and only daughter that he loved very, very much. And he loved her. He had such affection and such deep love for this one daughter of his. He kept on referring to my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. He would always talk about his daughter. But then his love for her increased. Loizaz Mechavava, he didn't, he, he, his love to her went so great, Achakara Achoisi, till he went and he called her my sister. Okay? What's the idea of sister? Meaning, he elevated her to a higher level. She's not just my, my, my daughter, now she's also my sister, which means the idea of being a sister means she's my equal. As a daughter, she's inferior to him because. He is her father. He is the one who is bestowing his kindness and his benevolence and his goodness to her. Here, she's his equal because she's his sister. And then, and then his love to him, a love to her, just grew and grew and grew until he goes and he calls her my mother. Va'achakara imi, until he goes and he calls her my mother. Kacha kodesh baruchu, so it is by God, which means not only is she equal to me, she's actually 
superior to me. She is giving me something. Bas in the early at the beginning, God refers to the Jewish people as my daughter. Shanamar brings a Pasik and Tehilim, Shimi Bas, listen to me, my daughter. Uri and see. Fahati Oznech and bend your ear, Vishikhi Amech, forget your house, Ubay Savik and your father's house. Fine, God is calling the Jewish people to follow him, and he calls her Shimi Bas, my daughter, listen. Where do we see that God called the Jewish people his sister? Shanamar says, Pischuli, Pischi Lia Choisi. Open up for me, my sister. Reyasi, my bride. Yonasi, my dove. Tamasi, the one who... My, my twin. Teumasi, the sages say. My twin sister. The one that... Or Teumasi, the one that completes me. Good. How do you see where God refers to the Jewish people as a mother? As a mother. Shanemeret says, a pasuk in Yeshaya. Hakshivu elai ami. Listen to me, my people. Ulaumi elai hazini. And my nation, please listen to me. Listen close. The word la'umi, which is supposed to be spelled aleph, vav, mem, yud, then it would be from the word la'umi, is missing a vav. So instead of reading it la'umi, the medrash reads it la'imi, my mother, without a vav. So from the word la'umi, the medrash says, no, it's not la'umi, it's la'imi, my mother. God is saying, listen to me, my people, my mother. So Hashem loves us so much that He calls us His mother. So we find three names. Okay, so what's the deeper meaning over here? Just different names. We're called this or we're called that. There's a great, there's a great meaning over here. As we said earlier, a daughter is a recipient of a father. A sister is an equal to the father. And a mother is an influencer. I mean, a, a sister is an equal to her brother. And a mother is an influencer to her sons. We the Jewish people in our relationship with God and our connection to Him and our observance of His mitzvahs and our relationship with Hashem are positioned in various different levels. On one level, we are the recipients of God's goodness, of God's brachas, Hashem's light and Hashem's goodness. Sometimes we rise up to such a high spiritual level that the Hashem sees us as equal to Him. That means we have godly powers. The Jewish people then are called kings, rulers. We rule the world. Because God has elevated us and shared His crown with us. That we are equal to Him. That's an equality. And then there is a level of tzaddikim. It's a level of attainment, of spiritual level. A, a level of holiness, of godliness. Where the Jewish souls rise so, so high. That we can be mashpia. We can influence whatever that means. So to speak, into HaKadosh Baruch into God. We become influences on him. He's receiving from us. Now, um, when, when are we called Hashem's mother? When are Jewish people referred to as the Eberster's mother? And when are we called sister? And when are we called daughter? These various different names. So it is explained, it refers to we know there are three channels in which we connect to Hashem. Allah Torah, v'Allah Voda, v'Allah All of our Yiddishkeit can be divided into three different modes of service. Torah study is one, 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 one mode of service, one means of connection. Gemilas chasadim, which means acts of kindness, which doesn't only mean kindness, it means in general all of mitzvah observance. And then we have avoda, 
which means divine worship, which is today's, today's days accomplished through prayer. In davening, we cleave to God. So it is explained as follows. It is explained as follows. An amazing, an amazing idea. When we are doing mitzvahs, when we are observing God's commandments, then we are considered God's daughter. Why are we considered Hashem's daughter when we are doing commandments? Because in a commandment, we're not innovating anything. We're not creating any, We're not creating anything. We're just simply submitting to the divine will. And what is happening? Some great godly light is being channeled through us, through our actions and through our activities into the world. Something godly is taking place. But we're not the innovators. We're just following instructions. We're not the creators of that holiness. We're not the inventors of that holiness. It's Hashem's mitzvah. It's Hashem's idea. It's Hashem's project. We are the hands and feet, so to speak, of God in actualizing that commandment down here. In that sense, we're like a daughter because we are recipients of holiness. We're just receiving. And a mitzvah, here's the beauty of a mitzvah. When a yid is doing a mitzvah, the Jew does not have to be holding in any spiritual level. A person can do a mitzvah any time. A mitzvah doesn't require some kind of a refinement, some kind of a spiritual attainment. You go to a Jew, you say, so-and-so needs help, can you help him? And at the moment, the person can extend his help, write a check, help out, offer his services, his or her service, whatever it is that needed, lend a hand, they did a mitzvah at this moment without any preparation. They don't have to go to the mikvah. They don't have to fast. They don't have to uh, whatever, study, refine. Just do a mitzvah like this. People are being met on the streets now that there is these mitzvah campaigns. Fill in the booths or whatever. All day long across the world, people that are not wearing a yarmulke, that were sitting all day, that did not, not, they just came out of, an, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a restaurant of non-kosher food, on Shabbos, or Shabbos, you can't do tefillin, or whatever it is. But on it, doesn't make a difference. You grab a Jew, you do a mitzvah. Because a mitzvah, the person is just being a recipient of something godly and holy in his neshama. And that's why in mitzvah observance, we're called daughters of Hashem. In Torah study, we were actually elevated in a much higher level. Because when a Jew is learning Torah, a Jew is connecting to God in a manner of, of equal. Because what happens when you're learning Torah is God is sharing His insights and His ideas with us, and He makes our brain become God-like. Because when we're studying Torah, especially, especially people who don't just learn Torah because it's a mitzvah to learn Torah, People who learn Torah because that's their thing. People like the Gemara talks about people whose Torah umnasan, Torah is their craft. That's their occupation. People that have mastered the Torah. People whose mind became a Torah mind. They think Torah. Their whole thought process is Torah. Every, the way they perceive everything in the world is through a Torah thought process. Because they've so inculcated, they've so absorbed Torah precepts, Torah ideas, that the Abishter's way of thinking, God's way of thinking has become their way of thinking. So these people are godlike. 
become equal to the, in Hashem. It says, first of all, it says when a person is learning Torah, Hashem is learning along with him. Whoever is learning Chumash, Korah means reading Chumash, Shona learning Mishnah. Kenegdo, Kenegdo means equal to him. Both God and the person are learning together. We also know that Hashem is a king. Hashem is the master over the world. Well, it says, you know, wealth is a king. Man Malki Rabbanon, who is considered kings and rulers, the rabbis are kings. And they rule and they can control the world. We know stories of great Torah scholars who commanded things in the world and the world has to listen. We once spoke about the great miracles of Rapinchas ben Yair when he crossed, the, that, that he was able to tell the river to split for him, and so on and so forth. Because people who have become one with the Torah, and the Torah is Hashem, and Hashem is king over the world, they become godlike too. It actually also says, Masnita Malkasa. The Mishnah is the king. The Mishnah itself is the king. Because it rules over the world. It says, this is kosher, this is not kosher. This is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. It is the ruler. So people whose Mishnah have become, they've so, they've so absorbed all of Mishnah and all of Torah, they become kings to rule over the world. So they're called sister to God, meaning God's siblings. They're equal, whatever that means, on some level where those souls are elevated to be equal to God and being masters over the world. So that's through Torah. And then there's a third, a third aspect, a third way of serving Hashem. And that is through prayer. And when we say through prayer, what is the main element of prayer? So prayer, we might think that prayer is the most perfect example of daughter. Because we're weak, we don't have anything, we're standing in front of God in a very humble way, and we're asking God, please fill our basket with your goodies. Fill our lives with your blessings. That's what, but that's looking at prayer on an external level, on a very, from a very superficial way. Prayer goes much deeper than that. We know that the main highlight, the main part, the main place, the main point of prayer is Kriya Shema. Kriya Shema is considered the highest point of prayer. From Kriya Shema we move into Shemona Esrei, but Kriya Shema is like the peak. And we know what is the point, what is the, what is the objective of the Shema? The objective of the Shema is the first Pasuk of Shema. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And in the Pasuk Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, what's the objective of Shema Yisrael, of that Pasuk? The one word, Echad. Echad means unity. Echad means there is only one being, and that is God. Aleph Ches Dalet. Ches is, this, is all of space. Ches and Dalet is all of space, because Ches is the seven skies. Ches is the number eight. So it refers to the seven skies and the earth. Dalit is the four directions. And the Aleph, Ches Dalit, means that God, who is the singular one, permeates the eight and the four, which means He permeates all of space to the point that there's Echad. And what is it all equal to? Only one being. It's only Him. Now we all, we all know, don't feel that way because we all have an identity. We all have a sense of being. We all have a sense of I am, I want, I need. Sometimes we can even ignore God. We don't feel like there is no other reality but Him. Yeah, and that's until we say the Shema. When we say the Shema, and when we say the Shema, in the way we should say the Shema. And that is we reach this high perception that there's none but God. And as it's called in the, in Rebbe Kiva says, Lim sar nafshoi be'echod. To give yourself over when you say echod. 
And what does it mean, limsar nafshi? It doesn't only mean mesiris nefesh, meaning to let your body be killed, al-Kiddush Hashem. It means that too, just in case, God forbid, there would be a decree, a Jew is willing to give his, his life up, but then that's not called Mesiras Nefesh, that's called Mesiras Aguf, that's giving up your body, you're willing to give up your... Mesiras Nefesh means you give up your soul, which means your very identity, your very awareness of self-consciousness of your own being, to dissolve, you reach a point of an awareness that you don't exist outside of God. God is, your, is you, He's your only reality, He's the reality of all of existence. Your, your entire being dissolves in the truth of Hashem Echot. That's called mysterious Nefesh. And then you have to like somehow figure out how to come back down into this world and be an identity, have, it, have an existence. Because you're a real chassidim, real tzaddikim, who davened, reached Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad in a very, very deep way. To the point where literally they were Moisa Nefesh in Echad. When, when one reaches such a deep and raises his Neshama, Elecha Hashem Nafshi Esa, to you God, we say it after davening and Tachnon, to you God, I raise my soul to cease to be a soul, an independent entity with the self-awareness and a consciousness of self, but rather I reassess I, I, I become subsumed in your identity, in your being, in God's, in God's MS, in God's truth. That aliyah, we call it the highest aliyah's neshama, the neshama rising up into that unity, that's what calls forth new light from God and stimulates Hashem to get involved in creation. Every day, the Arizal says, it's Mesiras Nefesh by Kriya Shema. That's the main Sarusa de Latata. It's the main arousal from below that stimulates from the essence of the Orein Sof, from God Himself to lower Himself down, to emanate, to fill all the spherot, all the attributes with light, to fill all, the, all of creation. That's why we're called Mother. Mother of who? See, when we say God, when we say HaKadosh Baruch we're not referring to God. When it says HaKadosh Baruch Hu referred to the Jewish people as his mother, that means someone that's higher than him. It's not God. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a certain element within the attributes. The configuration of the attributes of the Sfirot as they manifest, as these attributes manifest as Hashem being the ruler of the world. But higher than HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Ein Sof. Now, we're called mother because in, in Mesiras Nefesh, in the Echad, the Neshama reaches higher than the spheros, higher than the attributes, because we're breaking free from all the, I, limitations and all boundaries, and anything that can identify us as being something. We're reaching to total, total nullification. So then the Neshama returns back where it began as one with God, Mamish. And from there we draw new energy and a new infusion and light into the Yutke Vavke into God's name and into all the attributes and that's why we're called Hashem's mother. Make, we, say, we say in davening, we say, the Yismachu Becha Yisrael, Jews should rejoice in you. The Jews should rejoice in you, God. Mekatshe Shemecha. So simply it means, they make a Kiddush Hashem, they sanctify your name. In Hasidus it says, hear the beauty of it, Mekatshe Shemecha means they make your name holy. What does it mean they make your The name of God is Yutke Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, which represents all the spherot, all the attributes. We make it holy, it is holy. Nah. The, the, the Yutke Vavke, these are only attributes. These are minuscule, tiny little attributes. They, 
in order for the attributes to have any of I mean, not minuscule, the minuscule from God's perspective, from us, this is the life force of, 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 the, of, of the infinite worlds. Yeah, but from God, it's nothing. How does God lower himself down into the body? See, the Yudke Vavki is also called the body. It's a goof. It's the body of the of 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 the Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's the it's the cosmic body, and from there we're calling forth the soul of it. We bring forth light from the Abishter himself into his name. And what does that? The Arizal says only Mesiras Nefesh. Torah and mitzvahs can't do that. Simply. Torah and mitzvahs draw down that which is already within the spherot, within the attributes, spheris, it draws it down here. But to stimulate this new light in, and, that, and that's why Hashem says, you're my mother. So again, when are we called God's mother? We're called God's mother through Mesiras Nefesh, which is mainly through Avoda. So we have three Avodas. We are called God's daughter as a result of our observance of mitzvahs. We're called God's sister when we're learning Torah. Torah, I mean, Torah, Gemilas Chasadim, and Torah. And finally, we're called God's mother as a, through our effects of prayer when we're dealing with deep prayer that's done with Mesiras Nefesh. Or we might put it into different words. Let's put it this way. Simple Jews whose general relationship with God is simple obedience, they are the daughter. Torah scholars whose relationship with God is one of refinement, elevation, identification as a result of receiving a Torah mind and hopefully as a result of a Torah mind, they also have refined character traits and the like. That's Torah scholars. They are God's sister. Great tzaddikim Masters of prayer. Like you would say, Rosh Hashivas, the Abishter sister. Rebis, the Abishter's mother. Tzadikim, Balshemtov, Rebbe Yitzhak of Bardichiv, the Holy Ruziner. Tzadikim, they're the mother. They're bitled to the Abishter. No, Mesiras Nefesh. Unbelievable. Great scholars, sister. Simple Yidin, daughter. That's a simple meaning. So now let's go to Matan Torah and let's figure out by the giving of the Torah on which level did we stand. By the giving of the Torah, the Jewish people said, we know that was the most highest moment, was when the Jewish people surrendered to God completely and we said, Nasa v'nishma. Nasa we will do and we will hear. And it is explained that when we said Nasa v'nishma, you know what that meant? Nasa v'nishma, and it says when the Jews said Nasa v'nishma, God sent down angels and they gave them two crowns. What's the greatness of Nasa v'nishma? Simply is when you're ready to commit yourself to something, you want to know what is, before you sign a contract, you want to know what? What's in the contract? You want to know, what do you have to know? Because you want to know what you're committing. How much is this going to cost me? Am I signing now that I'm going to pay $100? Am I signing that I'm going to pay $500? Am I signing now that I'm going to pay you $20,000 or $50 or $100? I want to know what I'm signing. I'm signing now to do so and so. I want to know what, what it is. What is it you're asking for me? To be able to sign a blank check, to be able to sign a blank document, and to say, I'm just signing. I don't care what. And I don't care. I'm, meaning I'm willing what? 
I'm willing to do anything you ask of me. You know what that means? That means that I have given myself away completely. So Nasev and Nishma is exactly, the, is similar at least, very close to the concept of losing your existence completely to God. Meaning I'm irrelevant. I am nullified to you 100%. Whatever you tell me to do, I am willing to do. I am identityless. My identity in this world is to do your will. That's what all the Jews, two million Jews, all came to that equal. Everybody was ready. At that moment when they stood on Har Sinai, they were in such an elevated state, they reached this Echot state. God was the only reality. It didn't make a difference. Anything else, what they feel, what I think, what I'm comfortable with, what I'm not, I'm willing to do anything. Comes out that by Matan Torah, on which level were we? We were God's mother. Because Mesira Snafesh, we said earlier, is, brings us to a level to be mashpiyim, to be influences into the Abish, into what's called HaKadosh Baruch If that's the case... That's all part of the question. I haven't, we're just developing the question. What's the question? If that's the case, after Shuas, why do we have enough Torah speaking about in the daughter of Tzion? Highlighting the idea of being a daughter when after Shuas we've just attained the, the level, the highest Mesiras Nefesh. Because we've just said Nasev and Nishma. And we've committed ourselves with a boundless commitment to completely give ourselves over to God, no matter what. So that elevates our souls to be the mother. So why in the world are we highlighting after, Shru, after Shruis, the next parsha, the Haftorah, Rani Simchi Basi? Seeming to imply that no, we're the daughter. Rejoice the daughter of Tzir. Interesting. When you, this idea that we are God's mother is actually hinted to in the word in the parsha when it says when you will light the lamps it says who are the lamps when you will light the lamps who are the lamps neshama's souls are called the lamps and why is a neshama called a, a, a lamp because it says in the Pasuk Hashem Adam. a lamp of God is the soul of man how do we understand that Pasuk a lamp of God is the soul of man Everybody understands that as meaning, if anything, that God illuminates our soul. We're a lamp, we're burning because God is giving us light. Hashem is illuminating our soul with Him. Or we're a little piece of Him and that's why we're a lamp. Fine. But there's a much deeper meaning, Ner Hashem. Ner Hashem means we are a lamp for God. The Neshama is illuminating light to Hashem. When you will lamp, light the lamps, you will light up the souls, and they will give me light. You say, that's crazy. Whoever said something like this? We're giving God light? Like the Midrash and Gemara does God need any light? He's the source of all light. But look at the Medrash. I'll read to you a Medrash. The Medrash is in Shmois Rabbah, Parshas Tetzave, Perek Lamed Vav. The Medrash says... Um, you should illuminate to me just like I lit up for you when you left Egypt I walked in front of you with a fiery beam and I made light for you I want you to light up for me so that I can elevate you in front of all the nations that the nations should say 
Yisrael meirim lemisha meir lakol. The Jewish people illuminate to the one who gives, who illuminates to everybody. We give God His light, and God gives His light and shines to the rest of the world. Unbelievable words. This medrash is mentioned a few times. That means Yidin are Meir, we give light, Lemisha Meir, that's the meaning of Ner Hashem. We bring light into Yudkevavke. Well, it's the same idea that God calls us his mother. We're sustaining him, we're giving him light, we're giving him energy, we're giving him illumination. And we understand why that's Parshas Baaloizcha, because after Matan Torah, we said Nasevinishma, Nasevinishma is Mesiras Nefesh, complete giving yourself over to God, and when you have Mesiras Nefesh, you rise to a level where you can be Mashpia. Unbelievable. Kiviyachal, we always say Kiviyachal on something like this. Kiviyachal means, so to speak, anthropomorphically, whatever the words are. You are, we are, we are giving light to God. If so, we get back to the question, what's the story of being called Bas? Basion? And the answer is, there is something so profound, so special, so encouraging, so rich, so deep in this idea. And here it is. As great as it is to be God's mother, and as great it is as it is to be God's sister, it's so much ultimately greater to be God's daughter, a simple daughter. Why? Because the difference between the activity in which the human being is Hashem's sister, as we said before, Torah study, or through Mesiras Nefesh, when we reach such a high level, where we can even rise above and reach the Ain Sof itself, and be Mashpia into Hashem's names, that were called mother, they both have a limitation. As great as they are, they're limited. You know why they're limited? We are playing too much of an active role in that, in that stimulation. When a person is learning Torah, he, the person is engaged in something special and great and high. And the person, the part of learning of Torah is that you understand it. You're innovating. You're probing. You are discovering. You are reaching. You are developing. You have refined your mind and your heart to be godlike. So, as much as we're, we're touching the divine, as much as we're reaching for the divine, and as much as as a reciprocation to our actions, God's light and energy is flowing into the world, it has a certain limitation. Because since man is involved, so man can, and after all, man is still limited, man is a finite, finite entity, so even if we can stimulate reach and, and, and evoke and draw down through our, through our learning, through our knowledge and understanding, it has a limit, it has an end. Since Hashem is reciprocating to our efforts, then we're only reaching to a certain level. Even when we're in a state of Mesiras Nefesh, when we are abandoning ourselves completely, when we are giving ourselves over and nullifying ourselves completely, and that pleasure that God gets from the nullification of an entity, of a being that has, that is created to be a somebody and a something. And that somebody and something rises to such a clear vision that he transcends himself, his or herself and is willing to melt away and give themselves over to God. How noble, how wonderful, how great. Yeah, but exactly there is the problem. 
is the limitation. Because God is being impressed with something that you did. What did you do? You nullified yourself. That too has man's work in it. In being a daughter, we're nobody. We're nothing. In being a daughter, what are we? We are just beneficiaries. We're just recipients. We're just receiving God's light. God commanded us to do something. We have no idea why, what, where, and when. What, what can possibly be His reason? It doesn't make a difference. We do because we're told to do. Here there is no quality of man involved. Of course, we're doing the action. But the action, the act that we're doing is, is not the, 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 what's creating the holiness. What's creating the holiness is that God commanded you to do so. The significance of the act of putting on tefillin is not that you're putting on tefillin. The significance of the act of putting on tefillin is that God commanded that tefillin should be put on and tefillin is, be putting up, is being put on. It's the, non, it's the compliance. It's the non-presence of you. The fact that you're nullified and surrendering to God's will. So in a mitzvah, the greatness of a mitzvah is completely related to the commander of the commandment. In Torah study, as we said before, the Hashem is looking for you to be refined. For you, He's teaching you like a teacher teaches a student. So when a teacher is teaching to a student, there is a certain limitation in the teacher because he wants the student to understand. So he can't teach him from the deepest, highest, highest, highest because he has to deal with the student's mind. But in a commander and a commandment, it doesn't make a difference where the commandee stands. Because it's not about the commandee, meaning the one that's being commanded. It's all about the commander. I want this to happen and this is what's happening. Therefore, the holiness and the godliness of the mitzvah is literally boundless and infinite because there's no limitation from anything, any, anyone to limit it. So therefore, where is it coming from? Purely from God. The holiness and the godliness of the mitzvah comes completely from God, from Hashem, not from anyone else. Torah and even Mesiras Nefesh in, in, in Kabbalistic terminology, I mean, it's referred to as follows. There is something called the Sarusa Deli'ela. Sarusa Deli'ela means every type of arousal of energy flowing from above. And then there is something called the Sarusa Deli'ela, arousal from below. And usually the system works as follows. When we do something to arouse from below, we stimulate something from above. But hence the limitation. If God is reacting and reciprocating to something that we do, then, the, then, then even though his response is much greater than what we do, but after all, it's still limited because it's being triggered by us. And since it's being triggered by us, it has that boundary of, of, of our limitations to it. But then there's another thing. When God initiates and he wants something to happen in this world, nothing to do with what we did. We are just the communicators of that will. We are just the actualizers of that will in the physical realm. And that's what we mean, we're a daughter, we're just a recipient. We're simply submitting to the Eberster's will and doing God's commandment. And that moment, the, the life flow that's flowing through us is the deepest, the highest. Because it's not, it's not measured by any measurement. It's just the Eberster's will. It's truly infinite. It's truly boundless. It's the highest. It's the deepest. 
It goes much... And let's, let's go back to the Pasuk. It's hinted to in this Pasuk. Hinini ba... Rani v'simchi. Rejoice and be happy. Bas Tzion, the daughter of Tzion, God's referring to us as daughter, which as we said before, comes to us out of simple obedience. So the Abishter is saying, Rani v'simchi, rejoice and be happy. Sing and, and, and be happy and rejoice, the daughter of Tzion. Because I am coming. Then, as a result of our mitzvah observance, what happens? Not even a result. In our mitzvah observance, Hinani implies, implies two very deep things. Number one, Hinani ba, not that you're pulling me. Hinani ba, I am coming. I am coming. Not you're pulling me. Not you're reaching for me. I am coming because I am coming. Me, myself, I am descending. Number one. Number two, I am coming. Not my lights, not any particular aspects of me. I, my very, very I, my very unidentifiable, infinite and endless and boundless I. I, as much as I am I. Why? Because what's happening in the world in a mitzvah is my will. Coming from my essence. And there's nothing to limit it. I'm not responding to anybody reaching for me. I am coming because I am coming. But vishachanti besochech, I'm going to dwell amongst you. Now let's understand this a little better. The difference between mitzvah observance, Torah study, and Mesiris Nefesh, as we said before, Avodah, which is Mesiris Nefesh, is not only in the light that's coming down, but also in the, in the person that's doing all the things. See, before we were measuring, the difference is in the light, meaning on what is being transmitted. When you're doing, when you're learning Torah or even davening with Mesiris Nefesh, since you're an active participant in creating this holiness, that itself is putting a limitation on it. However, in a, in a mitzvah, you're not an active participant, you're just an obedient observer of the... You're, I don't, not an observer, a, a, the one who is observing the commandment. You're doing the commandment. And therefore... There's no participation and therefore no limitation from the human. The human being is not in any way constricting it at all. But there's something else. The difference is also in the person that's doing the work. You see, when you're learning Torah, you become something. You become a great godly man. In Mesiris Nefesh, you are also elevated to such a high state. You become somebody who is nullified to God. So that's an elevation. You become what? Nullified and one with the Abishter. You become what? You're becoming a scholar. And when you're doing a mitzvah, what do you become? In doing a mitzvah, you're not becoming anything. It's not about you at all. It's about God's will. It's about God's will happening in this world. And you getting out of the way. And not blocking it from happening. In the most remote corner of God's kingdom... In the most distant, farthest place in God's kingdom called planet earth. Where generally God is not being paid too much attention to. His mitzvah and his desire, his will was actualized. As it says, Nachas ruach lefanai, it says, Nachas ruach lefanai. It is a pleasure to me, Shamarti, I said, Venasas ritzaini, my will was done. It's not about you becoming anything. Quite on the contrary. 
The quality in, what, in, what I, in the person is one thing. The quality in the person is his bittel, his or her bittel. The fact that you now stepped aside and did what God wanted. That's the quality. So the quality is not in who you become. The quality is in the surrender and in the non-beingness of the person doing it. And that's why it's so great. But then you might ask the question, hold it. I understand when you're evaluating it compared to Torah, where the person becomes a great man. When you learn Torah, you become like Rabbi Yosef said by Matan Torah. If not for the giving of the Torah, how many Yosefs are there? How many Yoslach are there in the marketplace? Now, the Torah was given, V'nisroi mamti, I was elevated. When a person learns Torah, he's elevated. That I understand. He becomes a great man. He's an Adam Godel, he's a great man. Fine. So that I understand. In a mitzvah, you're not becoming anything. Instead of you drawing the spotlight, the treasure, you drawing attention to yourself, it's not about, it's God's will was performed in the world. God is getting the attention. And that's why it's greater, in some way. Then in the, and then in the, but when your person is a tzaddik, and he's saying Shema, and he's nullifying himself completely to God, what has he become? He has become non-existent. Because he has dissolved in God. So there he also has bittel. We're saying now that the, the quality of daughter is greater than the being, being a sister and even being a mother. So my question to you is why is it greater than being a mother? The level of mother I would think is even greater because the level of mother there is also bittel. There's also nullification. In a sense, I'll tell you even deeper than that. On the level of mother where a person is nullifying themselves to God, it's actually a much deeper nullification. Because you're nullifying your very, very, very identity. You're nullifying your very existence. You are dissolving completely to the point that, what did we say before? When you say Nasev and Ishma, what happens? You're literally saying to God, I am going to do everything you ask of me. I, it's as if I have, no, I have no self anymore. I am your servant. I have no beingness. I belong to you. When you're saying Shema, similar to that, you're Moser Nefesh. You're dissolved. You don't exist anymore. So what? So the nullification is happening on your deepest level. When you're doing a mitzvah, what have you nullified? You have nullified what? One act, one action. The rest of the day you're full of yourself. The rest of the day we're full of our desires, passion, wants, agendas. We're busy doing we stop for a moment, a mitzvah is calling, we put everything for us to the side, and we do this one mitzvah. So what did you surrender to God? You loaned God, so to speak, your body for two minutes. You gave Him your money that you thought is yours, you gave it up for God, because you gave tzedakah. You gave Him some of your time, you gave Him. So it's a very external nullification. It only involves one particular little part of your body, or one particular aspect. So why is that so great? I would think... Mesiris Nefesh that we spoke about earlier is even greater, and the answer is very deep. And we just have a few minutes to give this over, but it's unbelievable. And the idea is as follows. True, when, when a tzaddik is dissolving, when he comes to Shema Echad, to the point that he loses all self-awareness, he is completely feels God's infinite light, and God as being the only truth, and he's batalu mavutal and nullified Hashem completely. Or the Jews who stood by Har Sinai and they said, Nasev and Ishma, God, we, are, we love you so much. We, don't, we, we realize that you are so much truer than us. And we are willing to devote to you our entire being. 100%, not 99.9, because then they couldn't say Nasev and Ishma. 100%, everything. That's great. But here's the problem. 
That itself that you're becoming nullified, who is deciding that you're nullified? Why are you nullified? Why did you... Because you decided that God is worth it to nullify yourself for Him. You decided that God is so true that it's worth it to say Nasev and Ishma for Him. You went and gave yourself up for God. You recognized in your mind that God is so true that, he's tr- that, that His truth is everywhere and He's the only reality and excludes everything and therefore you dissolving God. Who made that move? Who surrendered? You did that. Because you recognize that this is what it is. When God commands you to do a mitzvah, and you're doing the mitzvah, and the surrender is happening, it's not because of you. Because as we said earlier, you have no preparation, you're busy in the street, you're busy doing whatever you're doing. Right now a mitzvah just came to you. So why are you doing it? You're doing it because the mitzvah is forcing you to, to do it. God is forcing you to do the mitzvah. When you're surrendering to God, when you're doing a mitzvah like a daughter, as we said earlier, it's just simply because God is demanding that you do this mitzvah. So it's coming from God. Your surrender to Him is because He said so. Not because you have decided that He is such an awesome master, you want to sell yourself as His servant. See, if you're selling yourself to God and submitting yourself and saying, God, I belong to you because I choose to do so, then there's still a little bit of you left over. If there's a little bit of self left over, it's limiting it. It's limiting it. It's limiting it. You see, there's an amazing statement. And there's a Pasuk in Parshas Bahar. Hear this Pasuk. We read it a few weeks ago. It says, Kli b'nei Yisrael avodim. The Jewish people are servants to me. Avodai heim, they are my servants. I think it continues, I should have said, some Eretz Mitzrayim. I took them out of Egypt. You... The Jewish people are my servants. They are my servants. Why does it repeat twice? And this could be understood. You are my servants. Why? Because you decided to be my servants. That's wonderful. That's great. But you know why? This goes much deeper than that. You know why you're really my servants? Because I made you my servants. You're my servants not because you decided to make, that you've chosen me as a, as a master. Because then you're, there's a certain limitation in that commitment. It's depend- Even though you gave everything away, but you're the one who's giving everything away, so it's limited in how much you can accomplish. But when you're becoming God's servant, not because you've chosen to make yourself God's servant, but you became God's chosen because God, God made you His servant, then how much are you His servant? You're His servant on a godly scale. On as much as God's power can make you His servant. How much power does it have that God makes you His servant? Infinite and boundless. And just to clarify this idea, I want to show you a halacha, an interesting halacha. There is a difference in halacha when a Jew, when a Jew is a servant. Halachically, there's a difference, there's two ways a Jew can become a servant to another Jew. A Jew, a Jewish slave, two ways. One is that he sells himself into slavery. And the other one is that they, that, is, that uh, he steals money, doesn't have what to pay back, and the courts sell him. Two types of Jews that are servants. But there's a fundamental difference between the two. When you sell yourself as a servant, there are certain limitations. The master cannot give you, cannot force this servant to marry his non-Jewish, his Gentile maid servant. Can't do that. But when you're sold by, this, by the court, the master has a right to take a servant and give him, give him the non-Jewish maid servant as, as a wife so that she can bear him children, and these children will be his slaves. 
And that's the, well, I'm not going to get into that rule, but that's the rule. So it's, what's the difference? Both of them are, two guys are slaves. One of them sold himself, and the other one the court sold him. The answer is when you sell yourself, you haven't really sold yourself 100%. Because you're the one who's selling, there's a little bit of self there in that very, very submission, there's a little bit of self. And if there's a little bit of self, it's not complete. When you didn't do it, but they picked you up, and they dragged you out of your home, and they sold you, then it's a complete sale. When the Jewish people stood at Har Sinai, even after we said Nasev Nishma, we said Nasev Nishma. God, I'm willing to do everything. God went and he took the mountain and he held it over our heads and he said, you better take the Torah. Why did he do that? Seems insane. We just accepted to do everything. Nasa, we don't even have to hear what God says. Nasa, we will do the Nishma. The Abishter said something, we will do so. Because God said so. Because, because, because we're willing to do everything. Why does he have to take a mountain and hold it over his head, over our head? Tosfos asked this question. The Balshemtov answers the answer. So the Balshemtov says, That's why God put the mountain over their head. to teach you. Even if you don't have a desire to learn Torah, let's say you're not in the mood. You have zero, one tiny bit of mood to do it. You're not free. You can't say, I'm not going to do it. You're going to force yourself to do it. You should appear as if you're being forced to do so. What is the depth of the Baal Shem Tov saying? Shem Tov is saying that what... That if, 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 if God would not have held over the mountain, then maybe if I'm not in the mood of listening, I, wouldn't, I, I have an excuse not to listen. I wouldn't listen. But now that God forced it upon us, I have to listen even if I don't want to. But hold it. If you accept it to say, Nasev and Ishmael will do, it means that, you, that you're going to do it whether you're in the mood or whether you're not in the mood. You said you're going to do it no matter what. And here's a very, very deep thing. The Baal is saying this Nakud at this point. If the reason of your submission is because you decided to submit then as strong and as sincere and as real that that is, you are finite, and therefore that commitment is finite. It's possible that one day you're going to encounter such hardships, and it's going to make you so indifferent and so apathetic and so not in the mood that it's almost literally impossible. You cannot do the mitzvah. You can't. That's it. You're cold. And really you would have an excuse, because under such circumstances you couldn't have... You're an ones under such indifference as to the such coldness that being so burnt out to the point that you have nothing in you anymore to do it. Now what? I don't the commit it's it's beyond the, the human commitment. So now what? Uh, if if it would be coming from us, then that would be an excuse. But why are we Jewish after everything is said and done? Because God brought us to Harsin and he said, You guys are my servants. He made us his servants. And when God makes you His servants, it's on God's terms. God is infinite, so His commitment that He's putting upon us is infinite. And no matter, there isn't any circumstance in the world in which there is an exemption in a sense of that service because His commitment reaches endlessly and infinitely into us. That's why there is a quality of being a daughter, simple obedience of mitzvahs. You see, all the Jews that you meet on the street who don't keep mitzvahs, and you ask them to do a mitzvah, 
They're not doing it because they want to be sweet, they want to be kind, they want to be good. It's because something is compelling them. When you're approaching them and saying, do you want to put on tefillin, do you want any Shabbos candles, do you want to do a mitzvah, they can't, not, they can't say no. You know why they can't say no? Because they stood at Tar Sinai and God held the mountain over their head. God said, you're my servant. So God didn't call upon them until now. But at this moment, God did call upon them through whoever that agent is saying, do the mitzvah, and they cannot say no. That's why they're doing it. Even deeper, what did we say earlier? That Bas Tzion is a time, we're called Bas Tzion during the time of exile. Remember we said, well, in the beginning of the class, we're called Bas during the time of Golas. That's why Shabbos Hanukkah. You think about the last 2,000 years. And you wonder, like, how did the Jewish people, like, make it? We're still keeping mitzvahs. We're still learning Torah. We're doing mitzvahs. If the commitment would have been our commitment... Through all the hardship and all the difficulties, we would have been exempt a thousand times. Not only that, it would be impossible. We were faced with hardships and observance of mitzvahs that are unsurmountable. Humanly impossible to be able to overcome those challenges. Literally, not almost impossible. Impossible. Literally. Cannot. But how did mitzvahs endure? How did mitzvahs survive? How is it that across the world after such persecution, after such challenge, such difficulties, we're still keeping mitzvahs? How is it? The answer is, God commanded them. And He is limitless. And He is infinite. And because He's infinite and limitless, that's why it's being done. You ask yourself today, people, people, so you speak to people. I, I see it, I see it around me. I see it myself talk for myself, but I see it in shul, I see it when I meet people. People are so exhausted. They're so spiritually drained. There's so lack of inspiration. There's such, with so much distractions, we're so tired. The exile is so long. And yet, you walk on the street every morning, you see so many people going to shul, and davening, and learning, and putting on tefillin, and, and doing this mitzvah. And, and you ask them themselves why they're doing it. Of course, they'll give it. Yeah, yeah, I'm inspired. The real reason Yidin are doing mitzvahs today is because Daddy said so. They have no choice. God commanded. There's nothing other there but God's commandment. But those mitzvahs are the greatest mitzvahs. You see, in a sense, as as queer as that is, it's precisely because it's precisely because the mitzvahs are so uninspired. Precisely because there is so much reason why not to do the mitzvah today. And yet we're doing it. It's an act of God, not an act of us. And that's why these mitzvahs are so infinite. And that's why these mitzvahs are so powerful. We're used to thinking that if I don't have kavana, and if I don't have excitement, and I don't have interest, and I don't have desire, then my mitzvah is flawed. Yes, I'm not arguing on that. It's flawed, but the flawedness is showing that, that the person is flawed. You're flawed. I'm flawed. We're all flawed. What do you expect? After a few thousand years of ghosts, we'll be flawed. We're Bali Mumin. We have a mum. Okay, you know what? <laughs> we're brutally bruised. After, after such brutality, we're bruised. Spiritually, we're bruised. So we are flawed. But take a look at, at even though there are flawed people, yet the mitzvahs are still happening. Even though they're impossible for them to happen, they're still happening. Why? Because God is commanding them. And his mitzvah, it's his will. Look how powerful and true he is. That he is still being obeyed. His commandments are still being, because it's him, not because of us. It's ain't self, it's unbelievable. 
The quality of the mitzvahs of being boss is much higher even than the avod of tzaddikim. And let me just conclude with one tiny little thought, and this ends the whole this idea. Yet, the pasuk says, I would think that such an observance, even though we're, we're, the way we are doing them today, purely godly, purely because Hashem said so, nothing to do with us and our, our greatness. It's just because these are God's commandments, and that's why it's happening. I would think that such an observance is done in a way that is completely heavy, frustrating, angry. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't even know why I'm doing it. I'm, after all, mitzvahs involve a lot of effort. They involve a lot of time. They involve a lot of every day to daven, every day to do mitzvahs, every day to put on, you know, whatever. So that, these things take a lot out of us. I would think that when we're being forced, so to speak, compelled to do something that we have no interest and no connection, and we don't sense its beauty, we don't sense its light, and yet, I would think that such an observance of mitzvahs would be done in, in a very angry way, or at least at best in a very dry, uninspired way. What does the Pasuk say? Rani, sing, v'simchi, and rejoice, Basil. Do the mitzvah as a daughter. As we said before, as a daughter means as a pure recipient. Where you're not invested in any way. It's purely coming through you, God's will. And at the same time, rejoice. Sing and dance. Do the mitzvah with such simcha and such joy. How do you have, how do you have both? So if you heard what I said today, this, mime, this whole discussion, oh, now, now you can understand why you should dance. But without that, naturally, why would you dance? So here is one more thought. You see, there is, as we said before, there is Tzion and there is Bas Tzion. Tzion is a Jews when they're on a higher level. It says an amazing thing. Tzamech Tzedek says that Tzion is referring to the Tzadikim. They're called Tzion. Because Tzion is Gematria Yosef. And Yosef is Yosef HaTzadik. Tzion are the Tzadikim. Bas Tzion are the Hasidim. The people that are the daughter of Tzion. They're connected to the Tzadik. Here's the beauty. To be able to do a mitzvah the way we do mitzvahs today and be happy to do. This all Jews are doing. Why? Because again, we reach the point where we're so burnt out. Where, where Golos has taken such a toll over us. We're doing the mitzvahs purely because God commanded, not because of our own inspiration and whatever it is that's... But doing that leaves you with a mitzvah that's very uninspired and very not joyful. But when you're connected to the tzion tzaddik, when you're connected to the tzaddik, whose who's his neshama is invigorated with light, he empowers all the bas tzions, which means all of his daughters, all people that are connected to the nefesh, to the soul, to the neshama of the tzaddik, to have the simcha in the doing of the mitzvah, even if they're doing the mitzvah just as a daughter without inspiration. And yet electrifying, yet with simcha, yet with joy. It's not coming from us. Just like the mitzvah isn't coming from us, it's coming from God, the joy in the mitzvah is coming from the tzaddik. And that's such a reason why you have to be connected to a true tzaddik. You know, God's will is going to be fulfilled whether you're a chassid, you're not a chassid. Whether you have iskashras to the tzaddik, you can do the mitzvahs. The question is, you can have simcha in that observance of a mitzvah. Through his kashrus to the tzion, the bas tzion can be runny, can be singing the simchi, and she can rejoice bas tzion because because kihinini ba dafke in your mitzvahs, God Himself is coming, not any 
spiritual lights that come through Torah scholars and tzaddikim. The simple Yidin, the burnt out Jews of our generation, they're the ones that's causing. Ki hinimi am coming. Because when you're doing the mitzvah, it's me, it's not you. But once Mashiach comes, the godliness of God Himself is going to dwell inside of us and it's not going to be like a stranger. It's not just going to pass through us. It's going to become one with us. Now, it's almost, we're so disconnected from it. Once Mashiach comes, the v'shachanti, it's going to enter us in an internalized way. V'shachanti b'sochech, it's going to become so much part of all of us. May we merit that that should happen now, now, Thank you.